very quickly realised that liability insurance is one where you put your arm around the shoulder of your ship owners. They become good friends with you and you say to them, how can we help you and how can we pay your claims? And I really was attracted by that. And the P&I club that I was attracted to was very dynamic, fast forward thinking. And I just liked their style, I liked their approach. And so that really was the attraction. Welcome to the Maritime Risk Podcast brought to you by Shoreline Limited, the provider of innovative marine insurance solutions for the shipping industry. Our purpose is to explore the evolving risks within the maritime industry, including environmental, geopolitical, socioeconomic, and security threats such as cyber attacks, war, and terrorism, as well as the more traditional accidents, navigational and operational incidents, and other causes of business disruption. We'll speak with experts to help you prepare for the unexpected and navigate the complex world of the ever-evolving maritime risk environment. So, uh, welcome to this episode of Shoreline's Maritime Risk Podcast. Today we have the great pleasure in speaking with our friend and colleague, uh, Simon Swallow. Uh, Simon, with three decades of working experience in the international group of P&I clubs, eight of which was uh, spent as CEO of one of the clubs, um, has seen a tremendous shift in the industry in his time. So, Simon, uh, welcome to the podcast. And could we actually just start by telling us and our listeners really what attracted you to the P&I insurance sector initially? Tom, hi. Lovely to speak to you today, uh, and thank you for your warm welcome. Gosh, when I think back, the P&I industry, what attracted me to it, I didn't actually know what on earth I was going into when I went into P&I because it was so hard to find anything, uh, even in the library. There was no website at the time. What was this weird thing of P&I, uh, protection and indemnity? And of course, at the time, it must have been about 1982 when I, I came into the industry as a broker. Um, but, you know, really moving swiftly on to more, my more recent role, which was in 1991 when I switched to become an underwriter. And I just loved the product. I used to do a lot of business in the P&I sector, and I was really attracted by the P&I industry, particularly because you work in unison with ship owners. It's not a question of like a property damage claim where you sort of have to prove your loss. I very quickly realised that liability insurance is one where you put your arm around the shoulder of your ship owners. They become good friends with you and you say to them, how can we help you and how can we pay your claims? And I really was attracted by that. And the P&I club that I was attracted to was very dynamic, fast forward thinking. And I just liked their style. I liked their approach. And so that really was the attraction. My word, I was so selfish as well at the time because I really felt it was a great opportunity to grow my career in a sector that I, you know, there weren't many people working in P&I. Most people were in Lloyd's doing hull and cargo and other things. And I thought, this is a great opportunity. And, uh, and I truly believed then, as I do today, that it's the best form of third-party liability coverage that um, that you can mine. So I liked it, and that's really what attracted me to the business. Yeah, thanks for that. And, you know, that just puts it in, in context, really, the fact that, you know, you entered this business as early as 1982. I mean, the world was a very, very different place then. Uh, communication is very different. You're probably it's almost back to the days of the uh, telex machine, I would have thought at that time. Um, so there's, you know, the, the industry has evolved to where it is today. I mean, it's 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 a different animal altogether. So 
I mean, you know, how how can you highlight some of the most significant changes that you've seen whilst you, you've, in your career in PI? Oh my word, there's been a number. Um, thinking about, I think. Going, going back to what I said originally, when I had to grab the encyclopedia and find out what it, uh, protection and indemnity actually meant to protect and indemnify ship owners for their for their losses, is the fact today is far less of a mystery surrounding P and I. I mean, through um, through social media, through websites, we learn so much more about P and I today. So I think that's been very significant. And uh, again, I remember. Uh, when I came into the industry, particularly as an underwriter in 1991, there was a secretariat of the international group, which consisted of literally one man and his dog, a lovely man, based in Wales, one man and his dog. And today, I think the secretariat is up to about 13, 14 individuals. And so who are overseeing and looking after the interest of the 12 P&I clubs. So it's a lot more transparent. Uh, and collectively, the international group is doing so much more, I believe. And so I think that's been great. I think we've seen significant changes in the governance role over the last few years and the regulation. I think more recently, we've seen ESG strategies coming in to the clubs, which is very much a new thing, a very significant development over the last 20 years, which can only be a good thing. I think also training. So you wanted to become a marine broker or you wanted to become a marine underwriter and you did your institute qualifications. There was a tiny bit referenced marine P&I, but today there is far greater focus on P&I qualifications and you can do those dedicated P&IQ, they call them, which all the clubs sponsor, which is an opportunity to learn more about P&I. So I think that has got to be a real significant thing because if you can create qualified individuals and give them a real opportunity to grow in their careers it can only be great for the industry and and those individuals get much more sort of fulfillment out of their careers so i think that is important and of course globalization pni now is no longer london centric or scandinavian centric yes there's the americans and the japanese as well but it's everywhere it's on our doorstep pni clubs are opening offices globally now so there's been this real shift globalization um, as the PNI clubs set up in other jurisdictions around the world, which has been very, very significant transformation over the last 20, 30 years. But of course, always working in conjunction with the with the PNI club correspondents who continue to perform such a key function. So there's a number there of of how of changes over the over the years, but I think they're the most some of the most significant ones that I've seen and great for the industry. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly morphed into a huge ecosystem of, um, as you say, offices globally and, and correspondent offices and interconnected, you know, paths of assistance for ship owners in, in far-reached places of the world. Um, you know, it sort of puts a security blanket over the whole world from a global supply chain perspective, I would say. So, yeah, very interesting. And if, if we now look at challenges and triumphs, I mean, in your tenure... What were some of the biggest challenges faced by the PI Club? And conversely, what would you say were the club's most notable achievements in that time? And finally, what are the challenges that lie ahead for the clubs, do you think? So past challenges, achievements, and future challenges, really. There's been challenges, I would suggest, around some of the major casualties that we've seen, which has led to significant change. Um, very much positive change for the industry, for the insurance industry, for the PI clubs, for ship owners, 
I mean, I think talking to you, Tom, one of the most significant ones, of course, was the, in my career, was the Oil Pollution Act of 1990. You've got to give that a plug. And what that created at the time, uh, following the Exxon, Exxon Valdez, and a realisation with the introduction of the Oil Pollution Act, uh, the requirement for these certificates of financial responsibility, and you know, which, of course, uh, born likes of uh, Shoreline and, and what Shoreline does today in performing that uh, essential service, which I think is absolutely key. So that's significant. We, of course, then had claims like the Cost Concordia and other very high profile incidents, which really brought to the attention of the of, of the world, the maritime world, the importance of PNI uh, in responding to passenger claims sensitively and and in itself wreck removal as well, which again resulted in conventions, the wreck convention coming in, greater attention to the Athens convention uh, as well. So it's the development of the conventions has been very, very significant. Um, and of course, we've had more recently the challenges around the Ever Given in the Suez Canal, which I think really brought the attention of PNI uh, to the industry and, and what we learned from that. So, I think through these casualties, it's brought probably um, some of the biggest challenges to the clubs, and and in turn from that, really the most noticeable achievements as well. Um, working in conjunction with the international reinsurance markets, uh, many of which are also in, in London, international markets, and of course, Bermuda. And I think um, that has been a real achievement in, in, in becoming, again, back to this word transparency, uh, the transparency of the relationships with reinsurers, I think is, is so, so uh, important. That sort of greater harmony, transparency, as I say, with them um, has been very important. As to the challenges ahead, I suppose the, again, ESG, environmental, social and governance, um, especially environmental. Uh, I think we're going to see much more of that as we go forward. There's, there, the clubs have all been focusing much more on the social elements, uh, the crew challenges that we have, finding well-qualified crews, people who want to go to sea to keep the ships running. With that, of course, is the advent of automation. I think automation, we're going to see more of that coming forward in the future. That will be a challenge, a challenge for us all, whether it's driving our automatic cars that seem to be able to, um, uh, uh, seems to be the next thing, um, you know, it's how that's going to impact the maritime sector as well, and whether we will see greater levels of uh, um, automation with at sea and then of course we got decarbonization i think decarbonization uh, is going to be a major issue in how the maritime um, trades will adapt going forward so people will be a challenge uh, attracting people to our industry that will be certainly challenges ahead so in that sort of list esg linked with that decarbonization um how our maritime trades will adapt to, to great levels of uh, automation going forward. Um, and of course, attracting talents to the industry as well. They are, the, as I see, the major challenges ahead for the clubs going forward or the industry, I think, going forward. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, on the point of automation and technology, really, um, you know, the maritime industry, like many other industries, has been significantly influenced by technology. 
Um, how has technology reshaped the P&I industry since you've been in it? And and sort of what innovations do you see, do you foresee in the coming years? Uh, innovation, technology, love it. I will, I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> Most P&I clubs will tell you their IT department these days is bigger than their underwriting department. Um, IT seem to be taking over the world, but we need it. Uh, we need it my word it allows us to be so much more mobile um gone are the days when you'll travel and return to your hotel room to write telexes or have faxes shoved under the hotel door now it's instant 24 hours we got our mobiles and our laptops we never get a break anymore now um so i think technology has really had a major influence and it's helped us i think speed of response do you know tom you used to renew the pni on the 20th of february I remember this is when I was both a broker and indeed an underwriter. You were lucky if you got your certificate of insurance by May, you know, because there'd be someone in an office somewhere typing up your certificate of insurance. Today, ship owners, port authorities, etc., need certificates of entry. They need their blue cards. They need everything on board that ship prior to the 20th of Feb. It's got to be there. It's got to be. It's got to be delivered accurately, timely, uh, et cetera. And that is absolutely key. So technology has really helped with speed of response. I think that is something that we can all benefit from. But I think also, though, and we mustn't be frightened of it, is data. Um, the clubs collectively have a mass of data, a huge amount of data. The challenge will be extrapolating that data because the way each 12, each of the 12 clubs records and holds data can be different. And some are getting those data systems uh, to be able to work together in unison to produce data, which is not giving the secrets away of underwriting or anything like that. No, this is all to do with loss prevention initiatives. And you will have seen there have been certain loss prevention initiatives that have been put out there, like... Uh, in close space entries or safe mooring practices but behind the claims that clubs have is and behind their own surveys that they carry out we've got so much collective data that can be used ultimately for the benefit of ship owners and ultimately for the benefit of safety and saving life and property at sea so i believe truly that that the future of technology and data is absolutely essential uh, as we go forward. And, and hopefully a lot of the routine run-of-the-mill jobs that we all do can be done through technology, allowing us all to spend more time, more face-to-face -face time with our members, with the brokers, with our COFA providers uh, in, in, you know, in developing much closer relationships and working on new ideas, and new products. Too much time is spent on duplication of effort. And I think technology is going to be a great way for the future to overcome some of those challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great segue into the next question, which really is around risk management, um, because I think technology is going to have a huge impact on how we manage risk going forward. And sort of given that risks uh, associated with maritime operations, how has the P&I Club's approach to risk management evolved over the years? Oh, gosh, risk and indeed regulation, um, very much new areas for the club. Uh, during my tenure, I remember, I remember when we were first introduced to things like Solvency Two in relation to regulation. It was I, I was horrified by it at the thought of it, and my word though today, 
I can really truly see the benefits of great levels of regulation. And in turn, that links to um, the whole risk management piece as well. I think dealing with regulation, just briefly, if I may, I think that has been a good thing because, again, I come back to this word of transparency through grade levels of regulation to the ship-owning member who pays their premiums, who expects their claims to be paid, they are able to understand in far greater detail the operations of their PNI club, the financial position of their club, their investment strategies through regulation or through the likes of the rating agencies, Standard and Boards, can feel comfortable with their insurer. And that's where I believe the regulation has been a great thing. As regards risk management, and well, what have we all seen? We've seen the clubs develop their audit and risk committees, something we never used to have in the past, audit and risk committees, which actually I believe is the real beating hole part of a lot of the PI clubs today because you really look at the, the risks associated with the operations and how you're addressing those and through the your own internal audit processes you know you know your clients the sanctions greater use of the monitoring of the use of the AIS tracking systems of monitoring where your ships are insured puts great pressure on the PI clubs to monitor sanctions activity. Cyber, of course, has been something that has been really dominating the way we operate our businesses, both from a PI club's perspective in protecting the club from potential cyber attack, but also in support of the membership in relation to cyber. So, you know, risk is really up there in something that uh, we are all uh, focusing on. <laughs> You know, and it, again, it's a bit like back to what I was saying about IT. You'll find um, the departments dealing with regulation and risk within the PI clubs is an ever-growing department within our within our industry. That was a great answer. Thank you very much for that. Um, I think we should actually move on to something you touched upon earlier in in one of these questions. Really, it's about global influence. You know, operating on an international scale presents unique challenges and opportunities. Never more so today, I think, than with all the conflict that's in the world. I mean, it's really having, you know, putting a lot of pressure on ship owners and the people that operate their ships at sea today. We just have to look at situations going on in the Red Sea and the, with the Houthis invading ships and past precedents around piracy around the, the Horn of Africa. And you now these global conflicts really do bring to bear um, a lot of challenges for the insurance industry and not, and not least the, the P&I uh, insurance industry. So can you discuss how the global landscape has influenced club strategy and decision making now uh, in the past now and into the future really i mean how do we manage these these global issues actually i didn't touch that earlier on when you talked about the current challenges to the international group and um, i suppose it goes without saying that one of the biggest challenges to the group and to the sector uh, of the inter of the pni clubs generally is global conflicts and particularly, though, as a result of global conflicts, the conflict, the very, very sad and unfortunate conflict in Ukraine, which, of course, at the moment is back page news with all the other dreadful uh, conflicts that are going on in the world. This has, of course, resulted in the movement of uh, crude or refined product uh, out of Russia. Uh, it's something that we read about regularly, and it's a real worry and concern to many that there are ships out there trading in a very, very lucrative trade, bringing sanctioned product out of Russia to various other destinations. And those ships are not, we are told, properly insured, uh, certainly not within the International Group of PI clubs. 
and that in itself creates a real concern because as sure as eggs are eggs one of those ships will have a uh, will have a casualty there will be a spill there could be loss of life that has places a real challenge on the international group because people will look to them as the first port of call as the insurers for the risk and will be expecting them to respond. But of course, the ship will not be insured with the group club. And it's something that worries everybody. And I, and I truly personally, if I'm allowed to give a personal view, I don't think enough is being done globally to address that issue. So I think that is a major global influence. To try and turn away from the politics a bit, I think there have been some real positives of, of, of global um, influence in that the global landscape has resulted in, as I say again, the clubs establishing presence in other offices other than their domicile, whether it is, you know, traditionally the PNI clubs used to always be situated in Europe. Traditionally, the majority were in Europe, but now we see the PNI club clubs opening up their offices on a global scale, whether it's in the United States or it's in Latin America, but particularly in Asia. And I say again, that can only be a good thing of, of bringing the role of the international group clubs to a wider audience in terms of education, in terms of speed of response to claims. Um, uh, and that is something that I think has had, has had a major influence. And, and in turn, the boards of the clubs made up of the mutual membership predominantly yes there are other individuals who sit on club boards who are not traditionally made up from the membership but the majority of directors are made from the members the ship owner the ship owners who are being insured i think that has been very very significant and uh, and you're seeing a far greater influence of asians on on boards of clubs now which is a great thing which is a very good thing so i think because they are such an important part of the sector so that has had a major issue and i think also linked i suppose in a way globalization notable back to the whole notable achievement piece has been the work that the group clubs have done in unison with the maritime labor convention mlc i was thinking about this the other day and how important that has been over the years in terms of protecting the welfare and the interest of seafarers as a result of a ship owner, um, you know, abandoned ships, abandoned ship, which has always been a concern, and and be able to repatriate and uh, recompense seafarers in result of you know with the advent of the MLC convention. So I think that in itself was as a result of um, global influence to the shipping sector as well. So there's a there's, there's an array of things there, which I think something that is very much on the minds of uh, of, of the clubs uh, as we go forward. MLC, Seafarer Abandonment, things very close to my heart, of course, um, in terms of insurance innovation around, around that whole issue. Yeah, so, and you, and you touched upon education there, and I guess we have to think about education from a future-proofing perspective, you know, who's going to be running these clubs into the future. So if you were to impart one key lesson or piece of advice to someone entering the P&I industry today, based on your own personal experiences, what do you think that would be? Okay, well, if anyone listens to this podcast, Tom, they go, well, the first thing is with Simon's follow, you can never get, expect one thing out of his, his mouth. So I'll give you a couple. So allow me to just give a couple quickly. The first one, the first one being radical um, to uh, hopefully a young audience listen to this. And I've got young kids and they're working in the city of London where my son is particularly. 
and he doesn't want to work from home. He wants to come into the office every day. So try not to work from home too much. And the reason I say that, get in the office, mix with your colleagues, because this is a people business. If you want to get on, you've got to be seen and you've got to integrate and you've got to learn. And you learn by being with your colleagues, listening to your claims handlers, listening to your underwriters, fundamentally getting out there, seeing the brokers, meeting the ship owners. It's a people business. Again, that's what attracted me to the business. And that's how I've learned. That's how I've had fun in what I've done. So that is a key lesson, if I can, because it's a very topical issue. Try and be more visible. Get out there. Get in the business. It is a people business. I think one of the great things about PNI and the lesson is always find solutions, offer solutions if you can. It's all too easy to sit there, whether you're a claims handler or an underwriter, or to say, no, we cannot do that, or or no, we cannot insure your ship because of this particular condition. Offer up a solution. See if you could at least say to them, look, we can't do it, but I think I know someone who can or do this. I have you looked at this. I hate turning away people being disappointed, try and offer up a solution if you can. I think very often, and that's what makes London and the insurance market, of course, so unique. Solutions can be be found. And my final one, see, I told you I can't do one, it's three. Always surround yourself with people uh, who can do the job better than you can. Sounds crazy. And you sit there as an individual wanting to get on. Well, why would I want to do this? As when you get up that greasy pole and you are at the top to make Make sure you don't come down it very, very quickly. Surround yourself with people who are really good at what they do. And I've been blessed in my career, particularly as CEO, when I was CEO before I retired. I surrounded myself with some fantastic people, which made the job much more exciting. They challenged me. I challenged them. They took a lot of the load off me that I wasn't very good at doing. Um, and we worked together as a team, so all together. So... It's a great challenge to surround yourself with very, very good people. Uh, and they will be some of the lessons that I've learned, which I hopefully can impart to others and will continue to bang on about uh, as, as I go forward. Well, I'm pleased you didn't limit it to just one point because those three lessons are very valuable. So thank you for sharing those with us. So, yeah, the future, the future as you transition away from uh, from your role as, as CEO. Um, how do you envision the the future for the P&I club industry? What sort of trends and changes should stakeholders be aware of, do you think? Well, I think there's going to be a couple of interesting things uh, going forward. I mean, first of all, let's cut to the chase. Consolidation. Um, uh, It's the best uh, conversation that goes on at the minute in the pubs. Everyone is sort of taking bets as to whether the current 12 is going to reduce any further. I lost a bet. um, Oh, some years ago and I thought it would get down to about nine clubs but it hasn't happened and I can perhaps understand why it hasn't happened because when people actually analyse consolidation to make it work to really create savings and fundamentally improve on a combined ratio you've got to um, really look at all your costs you're still going to have your claims you're still going to have your underwriting requirements you're still going to have your staff numbers you don't want to make people redundant so you know Really, where are those savings going to come from? IT, possibly, possibly reinsurance costs. So it's a real challenge when you look at this whole business of, of consolidation. But hey, we love the rumours. And, and But at the moment, there are 12 
fantastic international group clubs all performing a brilliant service to a collective um, global membership so we watch that space back to esg it could it could create some changes tom it could impact even esg um on the premiums ship owners pay that could be a change in the future and i do fear that you know some industries may be real, really challenged in providing or or, or being able to get a PI insurance in some sectors with the greater influence of ESG, the environmental risk, uh, looking particularly at coal trades and things like that. Will they be insurable in the future? So that could be a future challenge to the industry going forward. So my future vision would be, will the clubs be able to continue to offer the cover to such a wide and broad scope of vessel types going forward? They should be able to. Hopefully they'll find a solution for that. But also bearing in mind individual ship owners having to produce these carbon impact statements, I think they call that. I mean, you know, if you have a high rating, is that a good rating through your carbon impact statement? Will it mean your rating can adjust accordingly based on that? Because surely that has got to be a sign of a well-run operation. So ESG could certainly have an impact on premiums that individual ship owners pay going forward. Crewing, back to that again attracting seafarers i think that is going to be very interesting going forward maintaining seafarers and their well-being notwithstanding automation i still think we're going to really need in the future i can still see a role for seafarers and we need to look after them and i think finally again people attracting people into this brilliant industry an industry that i've absolutely loved and um, everyone in this industry will need to do more to attract people into it and retaining talent in it is going to be key so because uh, after all it is a very fulfilling and rewarding career and i've loved every minute of it in discussing this industry we, we can't ignore the role of the intermediary right you know they play a very important role in in the intermediation of business between the ship owner and, and the the group clubs um what are your thoughts about the broker's role these days does it have a future in the pni sector and if yes does does the broker in your opinion need to adapt in any way it's a great question when the broker is taking you out for lunch, or maybe this day and age, it used to be the underwriter taking the broker out for lunch to get the broker to bring the business into them. It used to always be the other way around. If you want to give the broker indigestion, just ask them about disintermediation. What do they think about disintermediation? It is it's there, and it, it's a well-known fact. It's a concern because... We talked about greater levels of automation through websites and soon I'm sure there will be the ability for a ship owner to go on to websites through their PI clubs and to get a quote buying their PI risks even. You know, that is potentially the future. I don't know, I'm not sure if I generally like the idea of it. For large complicated risks, I think there'll always be a need for liaison between an underwriter and a ship owner. But I also fundamentally believe there needs to be an intermediary in the, in the middle. I'm not saying that because I used to be a P&I broker, not a very good one. That's why I became an underwriter. But I truly believe that there is a role for an intermediary in the middle. They perform a fun, fantastic and key role. Not least the firm I've retired from recently, 99% of the business um, we received was through brokers, both wholesale brokers, the large wholesale brokers and retail brokers. But the brokers have to realise and they have to adapt because they must realise that 
inevitably through social media, through websites, through not least travel, through globalization, through overseas offices. The PLI clubs are much more visible, much more accessible. Therefore, they have to accept and be aware of that level of transparency and that they will be able to be able to deal directly with their um, clubs on certain things. And that must be encouraged, particularly claims, particularly on documentation particularly on COFAs and things like that you need that direct relationship to speed things up quickly but the broker has a very key role to play in advice uh in 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 assisting in the pre in the renewals making sure their clients are paying the right premium for risk but the brokers have to be innovative and it has to be that i always used to say a really strong tripartite arrangement between ship owner broker and insurer and you've got that transparent relationship i think that is the future so they've got to accept it accept working with great levels of data great levels of transparency the role for a broker is very much there and very very important to our industry great advice so as we sort of bring this to a close sort of a personal reflection really simon so on a personal note looking back at your time with with the PI Club, is there a particular moment or an event that stands out as especially memorable or impactful in your in your memory? Uh, yes, back to what I said at the very beginning. It's nice when it's sort of you get that virtuous circle. We come back to the relationship with the owner and putting your arm around the owner's shoulder with their broker. Perhaps you've got one arm, one arm broke around the broker's shoulder and one arm around the client's shoulder. It sounds as if you were in a huddle together. But when the ship owner says to you, um, thank you for paying my claim. Our PI entry is like uh, an extension to our own office. It's like walking down the corridor in our office and you open the door and there is our PI club because you're there, you know, you're working with us. We're a family, we all work together. And that to me is what is so special. Getting a thank you, but fundamentally, when somebody says you are an extension to our own office. So I think that is absolutely brilliant. And if I make it's never one thing with me, when you see, and I've been so privileged in my career, having been a CEO of a club, attending the board meetings on a regular basis, to see the club's board in action, performing their governance role, with their heads in and their arms out, overseeing the activities of the management on behalf of the ship owners, but particularly exercising things like their discretionary ability to pay claims, you know, on a non-covered claim, exercising under their omnibus provisions. So that is always a privilege and absolute joy to see PI in action. So, you know, they are some of the most, for me, the most memorable occasions uh, in 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 a sort of not least a 32 year career with one particular club and seeing that in action but i know that same service to the membership goes on um in amongst all the clubs and it's a very special uh thing to to witness so yeah i think that would be my main personal reflection well thank you very much i mean that's 30 minutes very well spent in my opinion you started at the head of this this podcast mentioning reaching for an encyclopedia to find out what P&I is. I feel as though you have encyclopedic knowledge of the industry now over 
you know, a life well spent in the industry. And I feel honored to have been, you know, impart you that you've imparted some of that wisdom with with me and us today and our readers. It's, it's been fascinating. And I think the way you articulate it, the passion you have for it just brings it to life in my mind's eye. I was sitting in the boardrooms of those uh, PI clubs talking about discretionary claims and the like. So, you know, thank you for that, Simon. It's been absolutely illuminating. Um, it's a real pleasure and honor for us to to, to accept you as well onto our board of um, of consult here at Shoreline I think you're going to be a great asset for us and you know um, you know the future's bright as far as I'm concerned for for the PI industry and, and for Shoreline and, and everybody involved really so yeah hugely a big thanks on behalf of Shoreline and our listeners thank you for sharing your knowledge it's um it's fascinating thank you Thank you, Tom. It's been great. And I personally am very, very excited uh, to, to have a role with Shoreline. Um, and not least because I know I'm sharing a table with some very clever individuals who are hugely experienced uh, in, in, uh, in all elements of marine. And I'm excited with um, some of the new products that you and your colleagues have been looking at. Um, I'm excited to work with you, Tom, because you're always thinking of something new, something innovative and uh, and taking Shoreline to the next level. And of course, but fundamentally coming back to basics and the essential service that Shoreline has provided for many, many years now. And I touched on the OPA 90 earlier on through the provision of first certificates of financial responsibility, which are key to uh, the continual operation of, uh, of ships and uh, shipping globally. So um, I feel honoured and humbled to be sitting at your table sir so uh, thank you very much indeed thank you very much thank you for listening to the maritime risk podcast brought to you by shoreline limited we hope this episode has shed some light on the diverse and complex risks facing the maritime industry today We would like to thank our sponsor, Maritime Insurance Solutions Limited, for their invaluable support in making this podcast possible. To access more episodes of our podcast series, visit our website at www.shoreline.bm. Remember, in the ever-changing world of maritime risk, preparation is key. Until next time, fair winds and following seas.